0: Hey everyone, welcome to Zappagram, the mother of all music podcasts, where every week we cover the latest in music news, reviews, interviews, releases, discovery, history, and more. I'm your host, Chris Zappa, and as always, the world of music is a busy place, so without further ado, ground control to listener, take your protein pills, put your helmet on, this podcast ain't gonna listen to itself. Hey everybody, welcome back to Zappagram, the mother of all music podcasts and newsletters. We're on episode 59. Thanks for coming back for another week. Thanks for being here. I hope you're happy and healthy and ready for your weekly dose of musical medicine, the healing balm that soothes like no other. What a week, man. The big news this past week, if you hadn't already heard, was the passing of Tina Turner, the incomparable and legendary queen of rock and roll. Sadly, she passed away this past Wednesday at the age of 83. For those of you who are podcast listeners who don't subscribe to the newsletter, um, zappogram started out as a newsletter, a weekly newsletter. After about a year of doing the newsletter, I decided to add a podcast. When I launched this podcast, the uh, tagline was zappogram now with more podcasts. Anyway, the format of the podcast closely follows that of the newsletter, which I still put out every week. You can subscribe at zapagram.com if you're not already. But there's usually an intro to every week's newsletter. This week, the intro was a little thing that I wrote about Tina Turner. I'm just going to read it to you now. I was 10 years old in 1984 when Tina Turner released her remarkable comeback album, Private Dancer. Between radio and MTV, Tina was everywhere all the time. What's Love Got to Do With It saw as much airplay as any other massive hit of the time. And to this day, I still have the images burned into my mind of that opening frame of the song's video. The New York City skyline complete with the iconic Twin Towers and Tina strutting out of the subway and down the streets of Manhattan in her little black dress, denim jacket, and patent leather high heels. Even as a kid, I knew she was a force to behold, and along with the rest of the world, I was captivated. I felt the soul in her voice. I recognized and appreciated the bold confidence she exuded. She was an artist like no other before her or since. Although she had retired from performing for more than a decade at the time of her death, it kind of felt like she was just always there and that she always would be. I suppose it's typical to feel that way about the artists who've always been part of our lives, It's hard to imagine a world without them in it. I've listened to her music a lot this past week. I've gone back and watched her old videos and many of her fabulous live performances. I've read countless tributes penned by her peers and by the consequent generations of artists she's inspired. Tina Turner was, and always will be, the portrait of strength and class, of heart and soul, of grit and tenacity, the one and only undisputed queen of rock and roll. I have a lot more to talk about with regard to Tina and her passing, but we'll get to that later on in the show. Every week I kick things off with a quote, and it seemed only fitting that this week the quote would come from Tina Turner, who once said, Sometimes you've got to let everything go. Purge yourself. If you're unhappy with anything, whatever is bringing you down, get rid of it. Because you'll find that when you're free, your true creativity, your true self comes out. People think my life has been tough, but I think it's been a wonderful journey. The older you get, the more you realize it's not what happens, but how you deal with it. I'm glad that she looked at her life as as a wonderful journey, because she certainly had her uh, share of highs, super high highs, and, and super low lows. She went through and dealt with some of the worst and hardest things that anybody can deal with in this lifetime, but she came out on top. And uh, she was always just such a, a an example of strength and, and of class. And her death has, has really made me think, you know, we have all of these living legend artists that are still with us that much like Tina Turner, we sort of take for granted that they're always going to be there. And it just strikes me that we're going to need to prepare for the fact that we're going to lose a lot of our Legendary artists, you know soon over the over the next coming years, it's going to be more and more of a thing that we're going to i don't know that we ever get used to it it's it's not the kind of thing that you want to get used to, but um it's just it, death is part of life. people die all the time it's just uh you know it's what happens, but it sucks, and we're never going to get used to it and I kind of hate this saying, but it it is what it is. Moving on, we've got some other stuff to cover before we get into this week's music news. Every week, I have a poll. I call it Rock the Vote. And uh, I always want to know what you guys are thinking. What's your opinion? So this week, I'm asking, what do you think of all the recent changes to Spotify? Your options are, do not like, I hate change. It's good. The apps needed updates. Or, I don't use Spotify, so I don't know. Sound off in the poll and let me know what you guys think. You know, everybody with any sort of professional endeavor has a mission statement. My mission, as I see it, is uh, covering music news and highlighting what's going on with the bands and the artists that we all know and love, and uh, letting you know what new releases are coming up. But uh, in addition to that, I also think that part of my mission is highlighting and bringing attention to lesser-known artists, unknown artists, perhaps, up-and-coming artists, if you will. And so every week I do a playlist that accompanies this here podcast and music newsletter, and that playlist is made up of new and old. This week's playlist, playlist number 59, is no different. zappogram playlist number 59 features music from the great Tina Turner, a new band that I'm really excited about called The Beaches. They're fantastic, man. I actually put two songs of theirs on this playlist. they two most recent singles because they're just so damn good. This band is uh, garnering a lot of attention, and if they don't get huge, then we know something is wrong in the world because this band deserves to be huge. I also have music from an up-and-coming artist, Isla Tesler-Mabe, I believe I'm pronouncing her name correctly, a band called Bathe Alone, Devin Gilfillian, Bird & Byron, Jenny Lewis, Wilder Woods, Sonia Midtoon, Lucy Clearwater, Jillian Redstone, Cowboy Junkies, Susto, Lobby Sifri, and Talk Talk, all on this week's playlist number fifty nine. That is available on both Spotify and Apple Music. As well, I have a master playlist, which you can also find on Spotify and Apple Music that contains all of the music from all of the weeks that we've been doing this. I believe there's something like 25 or 26 hours worth of music on there. So be sure to check that out. Links for that are in the newsletter. Once again, if you're not already subscribed, please go to zappagram.com and sign up today. It's free. And hey, on that note, You know what time it is? It's time to jump into this week's music news. As I already covered at the top of the show, Tina Turner passed away this week at the age of 83 at her home near Zurich, Switzerland. Cause of death was not immediately available, though Turner had a stroke and battled both kidney failure and intestinal cancer in recent years. In addition to losing Tina Turner this week, we also saw the passing of Chaz Newby. Have no idea who he is, do you? He was a bassist for the Beatles in their early days. He passed away this week at the age of 81. Many people don't know that Paul McCartney was not the original bassist for the Beatles. He was originally playing guitar and piano and, of course, singing. Many more people know the name Stuart Sutcliffe, who played bass for the Beatles uh, in the late 1960 era when they were doing a lot of uh, live gigs around Liverpool. And there was a period of time when Stu Sutcliffe couldn't perform with the band, and Chaz Newby performed as bassist with the Beatles. So he really only played with them for a matter of months, but uh, he did still play with them nonetheless, and he passed away this week at the age of 81. Danzig announces a 2023 U.S. tour celebrating the 35th anniversary of the debut album. It's been 35 years since the band's 1988 self-titled debut album, and Danzig is now hitting the road to perform the LP in its entirety with stacked support from Behemoth, Twin Temple, and Midnight. The shows kick off August 25th in Las Vegas. The tour takes the band down the West Coast before a three-date romp in Texas, and from there they head east playing Atlanta, Atlantic City, and Boston before wrapping up September 17th in Chicago. According to a Facebook post from the band, the outing will be, quote, the only Danzig shows for the foreseeable future. So if you've never seen Danzig before, you might want to get tickets to this show because uh, you might not get to see him again. Presale sale tickets open up Wednesday, May 31st at 10 a.m., while the general sale begins Friday, June 2nd. In other news for anniversary shows, Dinosaur Jr. have announced plans to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Where You Been, their influential 1993 album. The band will play the album in full during four concerts at uh, London's Garage in November and seven shows at Brooklyn's Music Hall of Williamsburg. It's a pretty massive tour, and it kicks off June the 3rd. They'll be playing many standalone shows as well as many festivals over the coming months, so check the link in the newsletter to see if they're coming anywhere near you. The Tom Petty estate has accused an auction house of dealing in stolen property of the late singer, with the family announcing on Wednesday that it would pursue, quote, swift legal action against the Boston-based RR Auction. The family didn't specify what measures they plan on taking with regard to the allegations, but noted that they are pursuing all available legal action for the immediate return of these items, further calling to avoid participating in the auction until the matter has been resolved. The items were allegedly stolen from a secured archive, the family said, and include some of Petty's clothes, autographed items, and limited editions. The family said the property could, quote, easily be traced back to family members. The family said in a statement, We believe R.R. Auction, headquartered in Boston, is offering stolen Tom Petty memorabilia with a completely false providence, inaccurate to fact, and in complete denial of clear evidence that they have been presented. They will not disclose the co-signer who was provided these items or how they were acquired, but they are clearly stolen. There is no other word for it. In a statement, R.R. Auction's attorney, Mark Zaid, said the company, quote, has been cooperating with the Petty family from the moment they reached out to us just days ago and will happily continue to do so without unnecessary hostile threats of litigation. The auction had been set for June 22nd. I'll continue to follow the story and let you know what happens with it. There's always some Taylor Swift news. Listen up, Swifties. Taylor Swift released a deluxe version of her album Midnights this past Friday, May 26th. This one's called the Till Dawn Edition. The original album was released, and then she released an edition called 3AM, the 3AM version, and now she's releasing the Till Dawn edition. So this new one includes the original album, the 3AM tracks, a bonus song titled Hits Different, which was included only on the Target releases that were sold at Targets, and two more new songs, a new version of the song Karma with Ice Spice, and a new version of Snow on the Beach featuring Lana Del Rey, as well as another track titled You're Losing Me. It seems like every time you turn around, there's a new release from Taylor Swift. This, of course, makes Swifties everywhere happy. So uh, it's a good thing. Okay, here's a fun story. You know how uh, Noel Gallagher of Oasis, and Liam for that matter, but the, uh, the Gallagher brothers are no stranger to controversy and uh, saying whatever they want to say about whatever... Okay, Matt Healy from The 1975 recently brought up in an interview that uh, Liam and Noel Gallagher needed to uh, grow up and reform, saying something to the effect that, uh, you know, nobody wants to go see either one of them solo as much as they would like to go see Oasis back together. And Noel Gallagher was being interviewed by Spin for a promotion for his upcoming album, Council Skies, which dropped soon when this uh, topic came up. When Noel was asked about what Matty Healy said, his response was, Oh, that fucking slack-jawed fuckwit, what did he say? He would never be able to imagine it. He needs to go over how shit his band is and split up. He went on to explain why he isn't interested in pursuing an Oasis reunion, claiming that he feels the band had already achieved all it set out to accomplish, saying, If Oasis hadn't fulfilled its potential, I might have a different attitude towards it, but as Oasis did everything it set out to do and more, I don't see the point. It was a moment in time, and if you missed it, tough shit. I missed the Sex Pistols, and I've managed to get over that, so people should get over it. Love him or hate him, he just shoots straight as a buck and arrow, man. Doesn't mince words. It's actually pretty funny. Billie Eilish has hit out at the "quote women-hating ass weirdos" end quote who criticize her fashion choices online. Taking to her Instagram stories this weekend, Eilish discussed how she was criticized for wearing masculine clothing when she first emerged, yet is also now being blasted for wearing more feminine outfits. She wrote. I spent the first five years of my career getting absolutely obliterated by you fools for being boyish and dressing how I did and constantly being told I'd be hotter if I acted like a woman and now when I feel comfortable enough to wear anything remotely feminine or fitting I changed and I'm a sellout and what happened to her? Oh my god, it's not the same Billy. she's just like the rest of blah 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 you guys are true idiots, lol I can be both, you fucking bozos let women exist fun fact Did you know that women are multifaceted? Shocking, right? Believe it or not, women can be interested in multiple things. Also, that femininity does not equal weakness? Oh my god, insane, right? Who knew? And also totally unheard of and insane to want to express yourself differently at different times. Suck my absolute cock and balls, you women-hating-ass weirdos, she concluded. I gotta say, I'm with Billy on this one. Finally, in our main music news segment... Kurt Cobain's smash guitar sells for nearly $600,000 at auction. The instrument in question is a black Fender Strat, which was reportedly broken by the frontman around the time that Nirvana was releasing Nevermind. Hosted by Julian's Auctions, it sold on Saturday, May 20th at a hard rock cafe New York City and exceeding all expectations by reaching ten times the expected value. Originally, the axe was sought to bring in between sixty and eighty thousand bucks. Not only was the strat used by Kurt Cobain around nineteen ninety one when Nevermind was released, but it also features signatures from all three band members Kurt Cobain, Dave Grohl, and Chris Novoselic. Accompanying the guitar was a short note by Kurt Cobain written for his friend and musical collaborator Mark Lanigan, who passed away in February of last year. In the inscription, which is at the bottom of the guitar's body, Kurt Cobain incorrectly spelled his own name. Hello, Mark. Love your pal Kurt Cobain, and he spelled it K-U-R-D-T, Washed Up rock star. The name of the band Nirvana is written on the guitar as well, and it's spelled N-I-R-V-A-N-A-A-H. According to the auction house, the instrument was gifted to Mark Lanigan by uh, Kurt Cobain in 1992. The Strat was put back together ahead of the auction, but it still remains unplayable. But the identity of the buyer remains unknown. But the closing bid was $596,900, almost 600 grand. For a guitar, you can't even play. I mean, granted, yes, it's cool, but Jesus Christ, is it 600 grand cool? I don't know. In other news that may or may not be music-related, but almost always is, I'm featuring four different things. The first, a podcast from Rolling Stone, Rolling Stone's Music Now podcast, tells a -a one-of-a-kind story of the late Tina Turner, why Tina Turner was the queen of rock and roll. Secondly, an article from Consequence, it's a review, an album review of the Foo Fighters' new album, But Here We Are. Foo Fighters find greatness in grief on But Here We Are. Foo Fighters' first album after Taylor Hawkins' death is a brilliant meditation on grief. The album is not out yet. comes out this coming Friday, the 2nd, June the 2nd. But this review is glowing and says it's their best work in 20 years. I already couldn't wait to hear it, and now I really can't wait to hear it. Third, I've linked an article from NME. Tom Waits is reportedly writing music again. This update came from The Icon's longtime music agent Paul Charles. Waits released his last studio album, Bad As Me, in 2011, and more recently, his 1973 debut album Closing Time celebrated its 50th anniversary with a new vinyl reissue. A remastered version of the album is also now available on streaming platforms, and a special edition of the LP is set to arrive on June the 2nd pre-orders are available now, but his agent sums it up by saying basically that he did a bit of recording and then he got distracted by the movie world for a while. The news is that he started writing again and we've all got our fingers crossed for another return visit. That's great news. And finally, you know, I've, I've said on this show before about how doing this is like a full-time job and listening to all the music that's being released and, and keeping up with everything. It's, it's a completely, it's a full-time job that demands overtime. A lot of work goes into this. And now there's a new article out on Consequence. 120,000 new tracks are being uploaded to streaming services per day. See, when I said there's too much new music coming out to keep up with, I wasn't kidding. A new report has confirmed that more new music is being recorded and uploaded to streaming services than at any point in history. According to Luminate, an average of 120,000 new songs, individual tracks, were uploaded to streaming platforms per day in the first quarter of 2023. That is up nearly 30% from 2022. This works out to more than 10 million tracks uploaded across audio and video platforms like Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, and, uh, and other platforms during the first three months of 2023. This company, Luminate, which supplies sales data for Billboard music charts, projects that over 43 million new tracks will be uploaded to streaming services this year if the trend continues. Last year, more than 34 million tracks were uploaded in total. Music fans are also streaming streaming more tracks than ever. Global on-demand audio streams were up 23% year-over-year year in Q1 2023 in comparison to Q1 2022, so no, no mere mortal could keep up with all the music that's coming out. In this week's Z-Rex, Zappa's recommendations, I have three things I'm highlighting. Once again, my favorite music journalist working today Amanda Petrusich, writing for The New Yorker, penned an amazing piece, The Untouchable Tina Turner, Some People Perform Music, Some People Become Music. It's an amazing tribute to her, and everyone should go read that. Also considered required reading, Margot Price penned an essay for Rolling Stone on gun violence, protests, and privilege. Sit Beside Me in the Darkness is the title. The Nashville singer-songwriter takes us through her protests following the latest Covenant school shooting in Nashville that happened recently. It's a very heartfelt, moving piece, and and again, I consider it required reading. Everybody should check that out. There's a link in the newsletter for that. Lastly, uh, last week, the Foo Fighters made the announcement that their new drummer would be the legendary Josh Freeze During a live stream of the band preparing for their upcoming concerts... I have found that live stream in its entirety and I have embedded it in the newsletter. So once again, if you're not subscribed, go to zappagram.com, sign up for that newsletter. It's free and check out this uh, video. It's about an hour long. Shows the Foo Fighters, uh, preparing for their concert, shows them rehearsing. They've got a little skit where they have like other drummers come in and pretend like it, you know, like they're going to be the new drummer and, uh, just like psych, psych, psych over and over and over until finally they, they land on Josh Freeze. Yeah, it's funny. It's hilarious, and uh, great to watch them all playing again. Good to see them back live. They just did their first show last night, I believe it was. Maybe night before. I don't know. Recently. And uh, they're back at it, so it's good to see them back at it. <laughs> the new releases that we're covering that were dropped on Friday? Uh, just a small handful. Arlo Park's new album, My Soft Machine, Krung Bin's new release, Live at Stubbs, The Exploding Hearts Guitar Romantic album, Simply Red's album, Time, and The Girl is Crying in Her Latte by Sparks. Those albums all dropped this past Friday. Every week in the newsletter, I include the new releases for that week along with a link to listen. When you click that link to listen, it takes you to a page where you can listen to that album on your streaming platform of choice. So say, for example, you want to listen to the new Arlo Parks album, My Soft Machine. You click the link that says listen, it takes you to a page that has the album artwork, and then it has links to listen to that album on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, uh, Tidal, Amazon Music, Pandora, or YouTube Music as well. It gives you links to buy the album on Bandcamp, iTunes, Amazon, etc., etc. It's handy dandy. It's cool as shit. Check it out if you haven't yet. The release radar, that is the upcoming releases for the next 30 to 45 days, is ridiculously jam-packed. In the next few weeks, we're going to see so many releases from so many bands, it's, it's insane. There's so many to go through, so I'm just going to really quickly rattle them all off. If you've been listening in past weeks, you've heard some of these. I've been talking about them. Like I said, I cover, you know, 30, 45 days out. So you may have heard some of these already, but some of these you have not yet heard. So starting this coming Friday and just going from there, Ben Folds, Ben Harper, Bob Dylan, Cowboy Junkies, Foo Fighters, Half Moon Run, John Mellencamp. Louise Post of Veruca Salt, Nathaniel Ratliff and The Night Sweats, Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds, Rancid, Rufus Wainwright, The Boo Radleys, Christine and the Queens, Jason Isbell and The 400 Unit, Jenny Lewis, Love and Rockets, My Morning Jacket, Youth Lagoon, Spoon, Balmoria, Drive-By Truckers, The Flaming Lips, Hand Habits, Motorhead, Queens of the Stone Age, Sunvolt, The Teskey Brothers, Albert Hammond Jr., Amanda Shires and Bobby Nelson, Candlebox, Lloyd Cole, M. Ward, Portugal the Man, Sleepy Gonzales, Y Oak? Really excited for that one. Charlie Watts, Frank Zappa, Grateful Dead, The Jens, Lucinda Williams, Anoni and the Johnsons, Local Natives, PJ Harvey, and Taylor Swift. Holy crap, all of that is coming out between June 2nd and July 7th. I will be listening to all of those. I will be letting you know which ones are uh, worth your time. So be sure to stay tuned. I'll keep you in the know. That's my job. And I'm good at it. This brings us to our final segment, On This Date, Musical Happenings of Historical Significance. Today, May 29th. In 1945, Gary Brooker of Procol Harum was born in London. May 29, 1955, Mike Procaro, bassist of Toto, was born in South Windsor, Connecticut. That same day, May ninth, 1967, Noel Gallagher was born in Manchester, England. And on May 29th today, in 1997, singer-songwriter Jeff Buckley disappeared after going for a swim in the Mississippi River. May 30th, Klaus Fluoride, bassist for Dead Kennedys, was born in Detroit, Michigan in 1949. May 30th, Topper Heaton, drummer for The Clash, was born in London in 1955. Tom Morello, guitarist for Rage Against the Machine. An audio slave was born in New York City in 1964. Stephen Malkmus of Pavement was born in Santa Monica, California in 1966. CeeLo Green of Gnarls Barkley was born in Atlanta, Georgia in 1975. And on May 30th, 2007, a leaked copy of the new White Stripes album, Icky Thump, was played on Chicago's radio station WKQX. Jack White personally called the radio station from Spain where he was touring to voice his displeasure. Here's everything that happened on May 31st. John Bonham, drummer for Led Zeppelin, was born in Redditch, England, 1948. Canadian singer Corey Hart, best known for his hit Sunglasses at Night, was born in Montreal in 1962. MC Daryl McDaniels, DMC of Run DMC, was born in NYC in 1964. Guitarist Robert Quine, who worked with Richard Hell and the Voidoids, Lou Reed, Brian Eno, Lloyd Cole, Tom Waits, and They Might Be Giants, was found dead of a heroin overdose in his New York City home in 2004. Don't do drugs, kids. And in 2019, Roki Erickson died in Austin, Texas, age 71. Here's what happened on June the 1st. Ronnie Wood, guitarist for the Rolling Stones, was born in Hillingdon, England, 1947. Alan Wilder, keyboardist and vocalist with Depeche Mode, was born in London in 1959. Simon Gallup, bassist of The Cure, was born in Surrey, England in 1960. Mike Joyce, drummer for the Smiths, was born in Manchester, England, 1963. Canadian-American singer-songwriter Alanis Morissette was born in Ottawa, Ontario in 1974 on June 1st. Singer-songwriter Brandy Carlisle was born in Ravensdale, Washington in 1981. And on June the 1st, in 1969, John and Yoko's Plastic Ono Band recorded Give Peace a Chance during a bed-in in Montreal, Canada. On June 2nd, way back in the day, Charlie Watts, drummer for the Rolling Stones, was born in London in 1941. June 2nd, 1944, composer Marvin Hamlish was born in New York City. Michael Steele, bassist for the Runaways and the Bengals, was born in Pasadena, California in 1955. Tony Hadley, singer-songwriter of Spandau Ballet, was born in London in 1960. Remember them? Their song True from the 80s? Man, that was a great song. Tim Rice Oxley, a keyboardist and backing vocalist for Keen, was born in Oxford, England in 1976. Fabrizio Moretti, drummer for The Strokes, was born in Rio de Janeiro in 1980. And on June the 2nd, in 2002, Paul McCartney threw his fiance Heather Mills' engagement ring out of a hotel window during a fight the couple had. Guards combed the grounds using metal detectors and later found the ring valued at about 25 grand. On June the 1st, poet Allen Ginsberg was born in Newark, New Jersey in 1926. Curtis Mayfield was born in Chicago, Illinois in 1942. Dave Alexander, the original bassist of the Stooges, was born in Whitmore Lake, Michigan, 1947. Susie Quatro was born in Detroit, Michigan in 1950. Mike Gordon, multi-instrumentalist of Fish, was born in Sudbury, Massachusetts in 1965. June 3rd, Kelly Jones, vocalist and guitarist of the Stereophonics, was born in Wales in 1974. 1974 was a very good year. I was born in 1974. Valerie Solanas shot Andy Warhol at Warhol Studio in New York City on June the 3rd of 1968. Finally, on June the 4th, Freddie Fender, who scored the 1975 U.S. number 1 single before the next Teardrop Falls, was born in San Benito, Texas in 1937. I remember that song playing on AM radio when I was a kid. God, I'm old. Michelle Phillips of the Mamas and the Papas was born in Long Beach, California, 1944, June the 4th, 1944. Reeves Gabriels of uh, The Cure was born in New York City in 1956. Stefan Lasard, bassist of Dave Matthews Band, was born in Anaheim, California in nineteen seventy-four. Zach Farrow, drummer of Paramore, was born in Voorhees Township, New Jersey, in nineteen ninety. On June the fourth, nineteen eighty four, Bruce Springsteen released Born in the USA. Man, I remember that. Stiv Baters of the Dead Boys and the Lords of the New Church died after being hit by a taxi in Paris on June the fourth of 1990. And finally, on June the 4th of 1997, the body of Jeff Buckley was discovered floating in the Mississippi River after he disappeared the previous week. Talk about one of the greats who was gone way, 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 way before his time. God damn it, I hate it when that happens. Hey, you stuck with me until the end, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. You are the best. No, really, I mean it. You really are. You are the best. Thank you so much for subscribing, for listening, for sharing this with your friends and enemies and family and random strangers on the street. As I covered this week, next week we've got a ton of new music coming out. I mean a ton. Like four or five times as much music as came out this week. So be sure to come back, I'll let you know what's been going on. I'll let you know what new music is uh, worth your time. Until then, take care of one another. Be good. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. Stay out of trouble, kids. All right? Take care. I'm your host, Chris Sappa, and I am out of here.